You are in the Vermont countryside. You are taking a stroll through miles of rolling green hills. There are cows grazing and mooing around you. You are alone. There's not another person in sight. But as you continue your stroll, you see something strange in the distance. It's a large rectangular box. It's not big enough to be a house. And as you get closer, you see that it's made out of cherry wood. It's got a glass door. It's odd. You think, what is this beautiful box doing out here in the middle of nowhere? You press your face against the glass and you see it. Dozens and dozens of delicious baked goods. I'm Dylan Therese, and this is Atlas Obscura, a celebration of the world's strange, incredible, and wondrous places. Today, we visit Vernon, Vermont. We're hidden in a rural community is a tiny box filled with incredible bread. More after this. If you're looking for a place where the wide-open skies and the towering mountains inspire you to find an untapped part of yourself. You might want to take a trip to Wyoming. It's a place where bold, curious spirits forge their own way on all types of adventures. There is no shortage of iconic, expansive landscapes out there. You can discover breathtaking hikes, stunning state parks, authentic Western culture, and other historic sites— along with the tales of famous outlaws like Butch Cassidy and pioneers like Buffalo Bill Cody. The truth lies west. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. I'm Roman Mars, host of 99% Invisible. I love the book, The Power Broker, the epic biography of former New York City planner Robert Moses. So I'm breaking it down 100 pages at a time and talking to special guests about why this book matters, like Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I actually think if it wasn't for Robert Moses, I probably wouldn't have run for Congress. Listen to 99% Invisible's breakdown of The Power Broker every month on the 99% Invisible podcast feed. This remote bread box in rural Vermont is the brainchild of Natalia Majome and her husband, Greg. They're something of a nomadic couple. They've lived in a handful of places since meeting, but they've never really felt a strong connection to anywhere they lived. I think just like being a little bit more isolated was something we were looking for. Just like generally less interactions with people every day. We're not the most social people, so we kind of enjoy just being out on our land. Then in 2019, Greg got a job in New England, and they found this little piece of remote paradise. It's hard to deny how beautiful Vermont is, so we, I think, just had, a, had an attraction and really wanted to, uh, to find a way to live here, and we were able to do that. But something was still missing. For most of her adult life, Natalia really struggled to find work that excited her. She went to graduate school for a biology degree, but after a difficult period, she ended up dropping out. So I kind of had a, a long list of random jobs <laughs> and uh, tried everything out. And kind of in the end, I think what I learned is I just, I enjoy working for myself. I think I've always been kind of unhappy with a boss. 
And then a global pandemic happened. Natalia's gloom only deepened. She needed a distraction, something to take her mind off of all of the things that were not going right. In 2020, she got a birthday gift from her husband, a gift that slowly became a kind of beacon of hope. My husband bought me a KitchenAid mixer, so I got into it more as a hobby. Just It was enjoyable, and then I just kind of became more of a passion over time. Lots of people turned to baking during the pandemic. There were flour shortages in grocery stores. Cookbook sales were going through the roof. But for Natalia, her love of baking was not just a flash in the pan. It did not go away. And baking began to dominate most of her free time. Baking also gave her a way to connect with family members who were distant from her. So, like, in that way, it kind of felt like, you know, more of a reason to bake because it's, like, kind of like you're giving a piece of yourself to your family and you're sharing with them something that, you know, is physical, that you can't in person, but it just feels kind of special. So, Natalia sent baked goods to her family. Her husband, Greg, ate his fair share. But there always seemed to be a surplus of baked goods around their house. It was just more than they could eat or send to family. So they decided to try and sell the rest. They set up a little wagon at the end of their driveway and put a sign on it that read baked goods and produce. It had a really great reception. Uh, People really liked the setup and just kind of how different it was from what I think you would normally see. There are a lot of farm stand type things out here, but, you know, it's usually for like fresh fresh produce, things like that, where in in this case, you know, we've got baked goods out there. So it was a little bit different, at least at the time. At first, interest was pretty slow. They'd pull the cart in at the end of the day, and they'd notice a few items purchased. But over time, through word of mouth and social media, Natalia's baked goods became high demand. By the end of 2020, Natalia decided to commit to the bread experiment fully, and she quit her job. It was a place you could go to where you wouldn't run into too many people and it's no contact. So I think for that reason, there there were a lot of people coming out. With a full-time commitment, the tiny bread cart needed a serious upgrade. And so the tiny bread box was born. It was important to both Natalia and her husband, Greg, that the bread box uphold the same spirit as the cart. And it took a couple of different tries to get the design right. We just decided to build a, a little shed, kind of a structure that's like maybe about the size of a telephone booth. You know, the goal was, uh, again, to keep it uh, simple, automated, hands-free uh, as much as possible. So what we've been able to accomplish with that is uh, people can walk right up to it. They they utilize our uh, our tablet uh, on the outside of the, of the tiny bread box. They can place their order, and then when their order goes through, it automatically unlocks and lets them in, um, and they can pick out the, the items that they ordered. They don't monitor the bread box super closely, so they rely on the honor system to ensure people are not taking more than what they pay for. But it just really hasn't been a problem. We haven't had any theft or any issues. And like a lot of times people in town think that we made it more secure to protect ourselves from theft. But that wasn't at all the reason why we we made it automated. It was just to have you know, more control over the products that are going in and out of the the bread box to have, you know, transactions that you can then view and track. Um, Yeah, so, but it's worked out really, really nicely. 
Natalia has some standbys that she always likes to stock in the bread box. Things like brioche sourdough nuts and cinnamon rolls, they stay on the menu from week to week. But if a creative spark hits Natalia, she doesn't shy away from switching things up. There's a lot of freedom. I mean, it's as free as I want it to be, basically. But sometimes it's nice, you know, to not have to uh, create a whole new menu because then I have to do there's a whole downstream, you know, process I have to go through to create new products. Um, So I'll usually do that on a monthly basis. And so each month I'll have a unique menu for that month and it'll switch um, basically around every four weeks. And from my perspective, it's nice to be able to get to see her experiment and, you know, kind of get almost back into that science mindset of coming up with new products and, and just trying to be, uh, you know, uh, trying to make innovations and make, make things better for the, for the, the customer. I, I enjoy getting to watch, uh, getting to watch her from the, uh, from the outside. It's not just typical pastries filling this box. Part of what has made it a sensation in this Vermont town is that what is inside of it cannot really be found anywhere else nearby. I'll do some stuff that is very American, like cinnamon rolls, for instance, Um, mostly because my husband talked me into it. (laughs) But uh, yeah, and then the other stuff I make is uh, Argentine, mostly um, because I was raised there uh, part of my life and just enjoyed a lot of the baked goods that they had there. Yeah, I I enjoy baking stuff from all over the world if it looks yummy. (laughs) Baking special items from all over the world is one of Natalia's favorite parts of the job. However, she saves her very favorite bakes for special occasions. There's something I make, but I don't make it very often, and that's why it's kind of special to me. It's a panettone, and it's also called pan dulce. It's usually enjoyed around the holidays, so that's typically when I make it. Um, And it's very, very involved process. I have to feed my sourdough starter like three times a day for like four days before I can actually make what's called the first dough. And then you take the first dough and you make a second dough with that. And then you take that and you bake it and it becomes this amazing, fluffy, cake-like bread. It's really good. (laughs) Natalia and Greg do have hopes for the future of Tiny Bread Box, essentially making the business a little bigger. But they do want to remain true to their tiny roots. I, I kind of feel like we're in a good place and I'm happy with where I'm at. Um, but I would also like to think about ways I could expand it that aren't, you know, pulling me in too many directions that make sense for me in my life. So what we've been talking about is maybe building another version of the tiny bread box that's mobile and we could take it to different events like farmers markets, um, basically just having another location that we could sell from. If you want to try some of Natalia's delicious baked goods, head to Vernon, Vermont. The Tiny Bread Box is only open Saturdays from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m., and it's located right near the Vernon Forest Trailhead. Can't miss it. Our podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Stitcher Studios. This episode was produced by Gabby Gladney. The production team includes Dylan Thuris, Doug Baldinger, Chris Naka, Camille Stanley, Manolo Morales, Baudelaire. Our technical director is Casey Holford. 
This episode was sound designed and mixed by Luce Fleming. If you want to learn more, be sure to visit atlasobscura.com. There is a link in the episode description. And our theme and end credit music is by Sam Tyndall. I'm Dylan Thuris, wishing you all the wonder in the world. I will see you next time. The world isn't wide enough for those with an insatiable desire for discovery. The all-new 2024 Lincoln Nautilus Hybrid SUV offers the power and freedom to explore further and deeper than ever before. Intuitive, smart features ensure they are always connected to the road ahead. Inside, a thoughtfully designed cabin immerses you in a universe that is all your own. The larger-than-life panoramic display spans the entire width of the cabin. It's customizable and interactive. Drivers can even personalize their backgrounds with a series of nature-inspired themes. This vehicle signals the arrival of an exciting new chapter for Lincoln. Discover more about the 2024 Lincoln Nautilus at Lincoln.com.